welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. Hello, Thriver, and welcome to another episode of Real People, Real Talk, the podcast ministry that takes you from surviving to thriving. And today's episode is all about thriving in your finances. Last week, we talked about mental health. And you may be saying, Paul, what's the correlation between mental health and finances? And I'll respond by saying, excellent question. Uh, Money problems can increase your stress levels and even put a strain on your relationships, which is all connected to your mental health and being holistically healthy. Before we dive in, I just want to say if this podcast ministry has added value to your life, or has helped you out in any way, would you consider supporting us through Patreon? You can click the link in the show notes and it will literally take you about 60 seconds to make a one-time donation or become a monthly partner. You may say, Paul, I don't have a lot to give. And once again, my response would be, hey, every dollar counts. There's nothing too small. We have tiers for every budget, ranging from $5 to $50 a month. And of course, with some bonus rewards and behind the scenes footage for each tier. So thank you in advance. But now let's talk. My guest today, Katie Jones, traveling enthusiast, me too, real estate agent, investor, and a money coach for faith-filled young adults. Katie's mission is to help equip believers with excellent money management skills, amen, so they can live in God's abundance and pursue their calling without hesitation. So welcome to the show, Katie. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Paul. And thank you so much for coming here. So let's get right to it. What does it look like to honor God and to put him first in our finances? What does it look like? Yeah, I think that's the question that so many of us desire to have the answer to, because when we know that everything is created by God and for God, we we want to use it all for his glory. So whether we realize it or not, we spend our money in the name, in the pursuit of someone and the pursuit of, you know, something, um, whether that is God and his kingdom or ourselves. So we're either spending our money to make God's name great or to make our name great. And a lot of times we don't realize that we're doing that. Um, it's not usually a conscious decision that we're making saying, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make myself look really good right now, but we, you know, we, we buy things to make ourselves look better in the eyes of the world. Um, and so really, you know, we want the way to, we put him first is to start to begin to realize that we do spend money in our own glory. So once we realize that we can start to shift the way that we're spending our money to actually pursue his kingdom and his glory and his purposes. Um, I think that Matthew 6, 24 puts it really, really well. That um, tells us that no one can serve two masters. Um, You can't serve both yourself and God. You can't serve both money and God. You can't, you know, you can't serve anything and God. Um, You have to choose one or the other. And so with our money, it's, it's the same decision. Who are we choosing to serve? Yes. Good stuff. And I remember, um, Years ago when I was in college, one of my professors said that if you really want to know a person's heart, 
You're going to look at how they spend their money and how they spend their time. And so another way mm-hmm. um, of honoring God is giving to God um, and giving to others with with money. Like it's called currency for a reason. So I believe there needs to be a flow of it. And so my wife and I, we give 10 percent of our gross income as well as any podcast donation that we get. It goes to the local church as well as the offering because God desires for us to be. Generous. See, even in this word, it says God loves a cheerful giver. So whether it's, you know, from time to time outside of the church, of course, giving to the church, but maybe leaving a a bigger tip than normal or donating Mm -hmm. to a a worthy cause. The Bible says in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You may be saying, well, I love receiving. So I was given a blessing. I give you an example. And I say this only for you to understand the joy of giving. It's not a pat on the back. But my wife and I uh, were celebrating my birthday. And so we went um, and had dinner. And the waitress were just so nice. I said, hey, you want to give like a, a big tip? And so we agreed. Like the biggest tip mm-hmm. that we ever gave. And, you know, we gave, we gave $100. I'm going to put the numbers out there. We gave her $100. And we didn't want to get any glory. So we got in our car and looked through the window, like from, from the shadow, so nobody would see us. And like her reaction when she saw that tip was worth way more than $100. That was worth us saying, all right, next week we're going to eat in um, so we can give this $100. (laughs) And she literally was like, like going through the entire restaurant. It was so happy. And so it was an awesome thing. So one of the ways that we honor God and put him first is by giving to him and giving to others. And Katie, I really love your perspective and how you say that everything is created by God and for Mm -hmm. God. In other words, we own nothing. We are managers or the biblical word is stewards and the bible talks a lot about stewardship so kate i want to hear from you and your perspective how can we manage and steward our money well yeah that's that's a great question um and and it is important to recognize that tithing is a part of that we are supposed to give that 10 percent back to god and and his mission um, which is through our local church and that does allow us 90%. We have 90% left to still manage well. That doesn't mean we have 90% to go and like blow on whatever we want. Right. Uh, we still have to ask that question, like, how can we be good stewards? How can we be good money managers? And really, like a, a good analogy to think of this is if your manager gave you $1,000 for a project to do. You know, you had a, a specific purpose for that $1000, you could spend it how you wanted to, but the goal was, you know, to get more clients or something. You wouldn't just go and then spend all that money on I don't know, donuts for your team, <laughs> right? Like that that won't get you to your goal. And so we have to still be managing things well for whatever that purpose is for that money. And so as Christians, our purpose is God's purpose and his plan, his redemptive plan for this world. And so we have to try to align ourselves with that. And that's going to look different for each person because we are all uniquely gifted with different things and uniquely called to different things. Um, Our main purpose is for God's glory, but how that plays out is going to look different in everyone's lives. And so after we give that 10%, we kind of have that 90% left to ask, okay, how am I going to spend this? And, and there's really four ways that I like to help people walk through this. This is, this is an exercise that I take my clients through when we go through and start creating their spending plan for that 90%. 
And so the first question um, or the first way to really determine how God wants us to spend our money is simply just by getting to know him more intimately. When, when we know people really well, we start to understand their likes and their dislikes. So, you know, Paul, with your wife, you know that she doesn't always want to do certain things that are going to blow all of your money, right? Mm-hmm. She probably wants you to spend your money wisely. Mm-hmm. And, and there are certain things that she likes better than other things when it comes to how you spend your money. It's the same thing with God. Once once you start to know him, you start to understand, yeah, he probably doesn't want me to go buy this really expensive Mercedes car for my next car. He probably wants me to get maybe a, a an older Honda, you know, something like that. Like, you start to understand these things and and that's maybe he does call you to get a Mercedes. That's might be a you know, part of his plan. But once you start to under, understand him um, more intimately, you can, you start to align yourself with his own um, likes and dislikes. The second thing is just to understand your calling, your unique giftings um, and purpose here on earth. Uh, when you do understand that you start to, put more of your resources towards that calling. So you are um, a young adult pastor. And so a lot of your resources go towards that. And that includes your energy and your time and your money. And, and that could, that doesn't always mean just giving your money directly to young adults or anything, but it goes towards the mission that you are doing. It goes towards your church to help give you more resources, to be able to do that, to be able to reach more people with the gospel. And so whatever your unique calling is, there's different ways that your money is going to go towards towards that thing. But, you know, when you understand your calling, you start spending towards that. Um, The third thing is just understanding the great command and and comparing your spending towards the great command of loving God and loving your neighbor. That can also play out in many different ways. I loved your example of giving a really generous tip. That's an awesome way to get to love your neighbor. And so there's so many practical ways that we can be doing that. Even just simply having an emergency fund is a way that you can love your neighbors because when an emergency happens, you have the money to take care of that without needing to go and ask family to bail you out or without going and taking out debt, which will burden your family more in the future. So that's just being prepared is simply a way that we can love our neighbors. And then the last one is simply common sense. Uh, God has gifted us with a brain to think logically. (laughs) And so I think we tend to forget that we can simply just ask ourselves, is this, is this just common sense? Like has someone told me before not to do this or to do this, that's just, God has given us that brain to think logically. So we need to use it. (laughs) Katie, I love those four steps because a lot of times, you know, people may ask that question, they immediately go to um, the spreadsheet and like, you know, how mm-hmm. much money I got coming in, how much going out. That's great. But before we get there to the numbers, let's get to the heart of it. And so I just want to recap for the list, like to know God, to know your calling, to know the great commandments of loving him and loving others and then just common sense. And so once you have that right, uh, that right philosophy, that, that right outlook and perspective as it relates between God and finances. Now we can talk about the nuts and bolts. And so I'm curious to know, Katie, like what what is your best advice um, as it relates to budgeting? There, there are a lot of pieces of advice out there. So um, my top two things that I really love to kind of share with people is 
really just asking yourself right now, like as you start a budget, do your does your spending currently align with what you say you value most? And if so, or if it doesn't, how can you start to align your purchases with the things that you say you value most? Billy Graham said that if he were to look at your checkbook, um, he would be able to tell what you value and what you believe. And so, yeah, like if I were to go and look at someone's budget, could I be able to tell that God is the Lord of your life? And that doesn't necessarily mean giving all of your money to the church in in general. But again, like there are practical ways that we can show God's love through the way that we spend our money. And that's simply just not by spending it all on ourselves, really. Like that, that's probably the most practical way to say it is not spending everything for your own pleasure and your own glory. I mean, we're glory thieves, really. Like we tend to take the glory from the one who truly deserves it. And that is God. And when we realize that we're doing that, we just need to realign our spending with his glory and his purpose. Um, And then really with budgeting, the first thing that the first exercise that I take my clients through is um, a money tracking exercise where we start to see where everything is actually going first and foremost, because we can't really begin to wrangle in all of our spending and overspending until we actually know where the money is going in the first place. And so really, we just simply go through and list everything out for the last several months and say, okay, here's here's where it's all going. And, and I kid you not, right before this call, um, I was on a coaching call earlier this morning and my client and I were able to find $200 worth of savings just after going through that exercise to say, I, she's like, I I don't need to be spending my money on these things. Like, and, and I didn't even tell her, I didn't even ask her. She just saw it and was like, I didn't even realize that this is how I was spending my money. And I don't need to be spending my money on these things. And so once we realize, like, Oh, this is actually where my money is going. Just having that knowledge is really helpful to help us actually be able to do something about it. Yes, I really love your perspective on budgeting. My wife and I, we've been budgeting more um, this year. Actually, last year during the pandemic, well, we had some extra time on our hands. We went through Financial Peace University while we was quarantining and really began to get our finances in order and do a better job of seeing where how much we got coming in, how much we're going out. And we just had a revelation not too long ago. Like, we spend a lot of money eating out. It's just so mm-hmm. um, convenient. And then if we're not you know, organized and disciplined enough, it's like the easy, um, default thing to do And so I, with her I was like Just started doing some math Like you know If I you know Get a quick lunch um, Not including dinner Then we may eat out Dinner as well But a quick lunch $10 here Five days a week You do it too That's easily $100 a mm-hmm. week $400 a month I'm like man They can go towards The house that we want to buy So it's the little things And all of those things Add up So I'll just encourage you um, To get on a budget And if you don't like That word budget Because it feel like It's res- restrictive call it a spending plan you're planning mm-hmm. how you're going to mm-hmm. spend your money and the only thing i would ask that before we move on is to educate yourself whether it's through books mm-hmm. or through podcasts um anything dave ramsey or anthony o'neill or even the minimalist is different things like we don't need i love the minimalist thoughts like we don't need a lot of things that we think that we need in order to have happiness and to have joy So this month is Depression Awareness Month, and we take mental health very seriously here at Real People Real Talk. So how would you describe the relationship or the correlation between mental health and personal finances? Yeah, 
mental health is something very serious. I mean, I'm glad that there's a whole month dedicated to talking about this topic um, and making it not so crazy to talk about, because I think there are so many people out there who struggle with it um, and they feel like they're alone. And finances do tend to be a trigger for a lot of mental health struggles. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this first and foremost. And, um, you know, before I even kind of like get into what is the relationship, I just want to let people know if, if you are struggling with mental health, um, you know, if you're struggling with that, then seek, seek the help because you're not alone. And there are so many good people out there who have struggled with it too. And, um, can help you also get to um, a healthier spot with with your mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, finances really can unfortunately be as like a trigger for a lot of mental health struggles and and it's sad. Um, but I think it it happens to be just because the world has taught us, to use money in a way that God did not originally intend for us. And so when we start using our money in ways that, again, don't glorify God and do not align with his purpose for it, we, many of us, whether we're, we're dealing really deeply with it or whether we just have kind of our, your day-to-day stresses from finances, we feel these things because our internal souls, like our soul is telling us we, we are not lining up with God's original plan for our finances. And again, it is for his glory. Like everything is created by God for God. And, and that's how we need to be viewing our finances. And so when we aren't aligning with him, our souls are telling us that like, that is, that is really that stress and that anxiety and the panic is coming from that. And so, you know, the world tells us that we need to spend to make ourselves happier, you know, like that bigger house will finally um, make you feel good. Like that newer car or the cooler clothes or the fuller fridges or, you know, just eating out and, and all these things. Like the world tells us that these things will fulfill us and make us happy and bring peace and joy. And, and just that next thing, when we know that 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 peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment, those things don't come from something that we can purchase. It comes from something that has already been bought for us. And that is through Jesus Christ. You know, he, he paid the price for us to have these things already. And so when we start using our money to, to try and buy that, that peace and joy and happiness, we're never going to find it. In fact, it's going to lead us in the opposite direction. And and I see so many people struggle with that, um, whether it's with debt um, or just knowing that they're overspending, or even if you're someone who has a good income and savings and investments and you're on the right track towards like financial independence, and you're still feeling this emptiness inside of you, that is because you're pursuing your own goals and your own glory rather than God's glory and his goals. And and I'm not here to point fingers at anyone. I'm just trying to tell you that God, the Holy Spirit is inside of you trying to wake you up in whatever financial stress you are feeling just because your money is being used improperly and not for his glory. And so 
And that's not to say that just your money is going to fix, you know, just having more money or using your money in a specific way is going to make all of your mental struggles go away. I still think that if you are dealing with mental health struggles very deeply, there is still a point where you need to seek help. And so, um, you know, money is definitely like just rearranging the way you're spending your money will definitely be a piece of that puzzle, but it's not the only piece if, if you are having um, deeper struggles. And let the church say amen. That was some good <laughs> wisdom, practical. And I love that we're really hitting the spiritual side. It's really showing how health is holistic, it's interrelated, it's interconnected. Like if you're not doing well in your finances, that very well could affect you mentally. I remember, I think it was 2014, 2013, when I stopped working a full-time job to go to seminary. So my income literally was cut in half and my expenses doubled all at one time. Mm-hmm. And it was a very stressful thing that just added to uh, my stress levels are not doing my best mentally, but, you know, begin to just take control of my my finances, recalibrate. What do I have coming in? What's going out and take control of it. It's put me in a better place mentally. And it's just kind of ironic, Katie, that when it comes to money and mental health, we as in people, but also as in a church, we kind of don't talk about that that much. But uh that's probably another episode for another day, Katie. But uh, what are some <laughs> biblical principles that every believer should know? I think the, the first thing that everyone needs to know, again, is our identity in Christ is that we are creatures, that we are created by God and for God. I've said that so many times. But again, if we start to understand that, we recognize that that is the true purpose for our money is to align with with his goals. So we need to put God first. Like that is, that is the first principle that everyone needs to know when it comes to their finances is put God first. And that can be through tithing, but that's also with how you spend that 90%. Um, because again, stewardship is, is a thing that we're called to good stewardship, uh, being able to manage our money well. So that means putting God first in, in all of that. Being prepared is also, a principle that we find throughout the Bible. A lot of people say like, oh, if we make plans, we're never, you know, God just laughs at us and stuff. You know, you hear that saying, you, we make plans and God laughs. Okay. Yeah. To an extent, but there's still so many times throughout the Bible where God tells us that we need to have a plan and make sure that we have the money to be able to accomplish that. We see this in Luke um, with the, um, with building the tower, the the lesson on building the tower, if you were to build a tower, wouldn't you first count the cost to be able to do that? It's so practical. Like, yeah, be prepared for the expenses that are going to come. I mean, Jesus was telling us to be prepared for the cost to follow him. Mm-hmm. But if you just take that very practically, that count the cost for everything you're going to do. What is it going to cost you to buy that new house that you want, Paul? Right. And so yeah. you have to plan for that down payment. Exactly. And not only that, but plan for home ownership because that's that comes with lots of expenses. So being prepared simply just with savings funds and emergency funds and things like that is really wise. Um, we also are told not to just hoard our money. So Whereas like I'm telling you to go save your money, we're also called not to just hoard it for ourselves. So we don't want to store up all these treasures here on earth for ourselves, but we want to also use it to um, pursue other endeavors out there, invest in um, future future things, whether it's within the 
church or within a ministry, um, or even for ourselves. So investing for our families in the future, like retirement and stuff like that. Um, so not hoarding it all for this moment. Um, and being faithful over little. So the the not hiding your money and being faithful over little, these two lessons both come from that the parable of the talents, which most of us are very familiar with. You know, the one who did hide his money away um, instead of investing it was um, called foolish. And the ones who went and took the risk and invested it um, were wise. And so they were faithful or even just the little that they had. And so if you are someone out there who maybe feels like, I, well, you don't have a big income and so you don't really have a lot to steward over. So why does it even matter? God is kind of asking you, can you be faithful over this little so that I know I can bless you with more? And he wants to see that you can be responsible and wise and a good money manager of that little bit that you have. So that way, when you have more, you've already been practicing good money management skills in the moment. Um, another comes, another principle is just around debt is paying back what you owe. You want to make sure that you are not <laughs> borrowing money and then not paying it back. Um, the Bible does tell us we are slaves until we pay back the money that we owe. Um, and yeah, I'm sure many people out there listening to this have debt and understand that burden that they feel that's the weight, you know, of having debt. Um, so pay it back, create a plan to pay it off quickly. Um, And yeah, and then just the last two are um, being generous with what you have. You know, we've talked a lot about God's purpose and a lot of times God's purpose for us is to be generous. And that's one way that we can share the gospel with others is through our generosity. Um, You know, that woman that you gave hundred dollars to at the restaurant, she may not have known that you did that as a believer. It's just a way that, you know, God's love can be shown anonymously. And there's so many ways that we can share God's love through our generosity. Um, And it doesn't always have to be, again, like giving money away, but it can mean inviting people into your house and being generous with your food, you know, invite people over for dinner and out for coffee and and just your time, being generous with with all the resources that you have and also being content um, with what you have and not, um, not always desiring more. Like God has, God has, given you big goals and plans in your life. Um, but at the same time, you know, just asking yourself, if you weren't to accomplish those goals, would God's provision, the, the daily bread that he gives you, would it be enough? Um, even if you didn't accomplish your biggest goals of, I don't know, and becoming financially independent or owning that house or owning that car or getting that one job, would you still be content um, with the provision that he does give you because he does give you enough. He he tells us he gives us enough to to do what we need to do. And so we need to learn to be content. So good. So practical. You maybe want to play this segment again and just take some notes <laughs> or better yet. You can read her blog because she did a blog about biblical principles that every Christian knows. And we're going to share that website at the end of the show. And so one thing out of all of the goodness that you just shared, one thing I'm like, yeah, this, we need to tweet this. Like it's, it's not good enough just to give God your 10% and say, I'm doing well with my finances. No, you have to steward your 90% in a wise, God-honoring way. So, Katie, give us your best money-saving hacks. Yeah. Um, you know, saving money. I, I really just love looking at 
what I am already spending my money on, especially things that are necessary, like housing or transportation or health expenses or food expenses. These things are all necessary expenses that we have in our lives. And going over them and saying, am I spending too much on these things? Or have I looked into new ways to spending this money? Um, Simple things are health insurance. Like, have you looked at health insurance lately or car insurance or the car that you're driving or the house that you're living in? You know, are there ways that you can be reducing your expenses and using your money wiser? You know, like, can you reduce expenses in certain areas to be able to, again, give towards God's purposes? Um, honestly, that's, that's one of my favorite ways to help clients like reimagine their expenses is there are so many things that we need to be spending money on, but sometimes we don't need to be spending as much as we are spending on certain things, but people don't always know that unless someone looks at it and is like, why are you spending that much on car insurance? Like, and I'm not saying switch to anything specific, (laughs) but you know, like just have you even just tried negotiating recently? So, yeah. We're definitely on the same page today because like my best money saving hacks, one of those is to negotiate your bills. Like I called our cable company and when I first went with them, they gave us like a discount for 12 months being a new customer. So when that was up, I was like, hey, can we can we get that again? And they was like, oh, yeah, we can. And they took fifty five dollars off right then and there. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So negotiate totally and we recently re-signed our lease and they wanted to go up a certain amount and i was like yo we we haven't been late on our rents we we don't complain etc etc you know different things trying to you know negotiate and they didn't go up as much so negotiate go through all your bills as katie said whether it's your your health insurance your auto insurance every bill and call the company you never know what discount that they can give you and I always use the phrase, is there a better deal? Is there a better offer? And the other money saving hack is simple. We've heard it before, but it's not about the head knowledge, but it's about putting this thing into practice. And that's cooking more. And like, of course, there's a level of enjoyment that comes with going to a restaurant and ordering and seeing your food come and all that stuff. There's a certain level of joy, (laughs) but it's not exponentially better than like a home cooked meal. Uh, This past week, like, I enjoyed sitting down and eating my wife's spaghetti just as much as, you know, we would have went out to a restaurant. So it's kind of containing your 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 joys and your pleasures. And really, and this is a discipleship thing, is putting your flesh in check. Yeah, I think just reimagining the way that you enjoy your time. I think a lot of us as young yes. adults tend to think that the way that you can enjoy your time is by going out and going out to restaurants or going out for drinks or going out and spending money. And there are so many options out there to doing things either more cost effectively or free, you know, totally hundred percent for free. Um, in Colorado, we are blessed with mountains to just go hike and enjoy. Um, but if you're if you're in Houston <laughs> or somewhere that doesn't have as many naturist activities to go enjoy, there are still things that you can do that you can get creative with and save your money versus needing to go spend it. And and a lot of times, if you tell your friends that you are on a mission to save more money for the glory of God. Who's going to argue with that, right? And and if your friends are believers too, they're going to be like, can I join you? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's do this together. And so together you can find amazing ways to save more money. And 
you know, making that spaghetti with a group of people and someone brings the sauce and someone brings the noodles and someone brings some plates. And, you know, now you only spent like four bucks on noodles and someone else spent four bucks on sauce. And so you just had a great meal for $4 instead of, I don't know, 20 at a restaurant. Mm. And a great experience too, right? (laughs) Really fun. That's always fun. So keep that phrase in mind, my dear listener. I love to call you Thriver. Reimagining how we spend money. So one of the favorite things that my wife and I do sometimes on the weekends, it's a new way of like a date night. We go to Starbucks. We don't always order because, you know, that would defeat the purpose of overspending. But we just go there and chill. I'll get on my laptop, work on some stuff for the podcast. She would get on her laptop and work on some stuff for school, being a teacher and grading. And for us, it's, it's kind of like nostalgic because we met in college. So it gave us a college feel there. We're in a coffee shop and we can have a good fun two hours there being productive in each other's presence and didn't spend anything, you know, but every now and then we go spend there. Cause we don't seem like we just, you know, use the place, but you get, the, you get the point. And so here at real people, real talk, we always want to point people to God's word because for, I firmly believe that for all of life's problems, God's word provide the solution. So Katie, could you give me one verse that would help to guide people on their financial journey? I think Colossians three twenty three probably says it really well. Work at it as if working for the Lord and not for man. I mean, again, our purpose is for his glory, not for our own, not for anybody else's here. You know, we're not trying to show anyone how cool we are or how successful we are. We really want to be successful in God's eyes. And that means doing things for him. Um, And so I think Colossians 3.23, just very simply saying, do it for the Lord not for man. So that's, that's why we want to be excellent money managers is, is for him, um, not for ourselves, not so that we can just accomplish all of our own goals, but so we can help God and work alongside him and his mission um, and whatever his goals are. And great minds think alike because my scripture and response is very similar. It's first Timothy 16 for the love of money. And this is probably one of the most misquoted scriptures out there. Um, mm-hmm. The Bible says for the love of money is the root of all evil a lot of times we say that money is the root of it no money is amoral it's neutral it's neither good or bad is how you use it so money and talking about money isn't a bad thing it's actually healthy and it's actually wise the better you are with your finances and the more prepared you are with your finances the more prepared that you will be to be a blessing to other people so this has been a fun conversation and we're going to bring back the lightning around. I haven't done it in a while, so we'll bring it back to lightning around. Where Katie, you're gonna have 30 seconds to answer these questions. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. Number one, smartest money move. Smartest money move would be to that I paid off all of my debt. It was about a year ago, September 23rd, paid it all off. Love it. Love it. Name one financial book that has helped you to thrive. Yes. Redeeming Money by Paul David Tripp. Honestly, I highly recommend it for every Christian. And lastly, this is one of the flagship questions at Real People Real Talk. How can people go from surviving to thriving in their finances? Yeah, honestly, um, just recognizing that God has a greater purpose for you and for your money. And, um, you know, when when we use our money for his 
glory, we start to realize that he wants to bless us and he will bless us abundantly. Malachi 3 is a really great example of this, of when we give back to him, he opens up the floodgates of heaven and blesses us beyond what we can even imagine. And this is just one way that we can ultimately thrive is when we faithfully um, follow God's call for our money. Amen and amen. Awesome. And before we let you go, how can the people connect with you and Agape Investing? Um, Yeah. If anybody goes out there and types in Agape Investing into pretty much any social media site or Google, you will find me. So Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, and you can connect with me on my blog as well. Love it. So Katie, thank you so much for joining the show and adding your expertise. It has been a pleasure, Paul. I hope that um, many people find this a blessing and, and learn something new today. And on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to share this episode with somebody that you want to see thriving in their finances. Until next time, go be all that God has called you to be.